On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are taking a trip back to 18th century Russia to hang out with Helen Mirren in Catherine the Great, hiking in the desert with Billy Bob Thornton in Goliath, and then wading out into the black morass of the Louisiana wetlands to take a dip with ill-fated DC TV series Swamp Thing. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, your weekly ordnance survey map, laying out the topography of televisual entertainment while helping you locate important points of interest along the way. Joining me on this auditory journey this week is our knowledgeable local guide, strolling ahead of us while reeling off all the important history, while also holding aloft a red umbrella so we don't get lost along the way. It's Boyd Hilton. Auditory. Auditory. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm, it's a, it's I, a rare usage. I'm playing word. with adjectives. It's, oh, okay. Okay. I should. I should. I should. You're gonna have to bear with me this week. Yeah. I am operating with half a script, and uh, let's be honest, half a brain. Yes, about three hours sleep because we did a live Empire uh, podcast yeah. in York Excuses. last night. Uh, we took the train back. It got in at like silly o'clock in the morning, and I slept in Chris Hewitt's spare room Whoa. last night. So I feel like shit. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Okay. We'll excuse that. Yeah. We'll excuse you for bringing even Thank more you. of a bell end than you. Yeah, and added to that, it I'm only <laughs> saying that because we because our, our leader is is not here. That is right. FYI. That is right. Joining Boyd and myself is not Terry White. Uh, our Northern Star is <laughs> so off in LA this week, so in her stead we have a brand new member of the podcast team, following in the footsteps of barely intelligible millennials Ben Travis and Ammon Warman. <laughs> this week's guest host is a journalist and broadcaster. She is the co-runner of the Bechdel Test Fest and a podcaster in her own right. She is Swindon's Reckoning. It's the one and only Beth Webb. Hello. Oh, crikey. Hello. What an entrance. Isn't it? Isn't it just? Oh my God. I'm going to play that as my alarm clock in the morning. Can really you tell us anything soon. about the Bechdel Test Fest? Yeah. Do you know anything? Do you know what the three rules are? Of I know what test? the Bechdel Test is, but please... Okay. Educate our listeners. All right. Bear with me here. So three rules for the Bechdel test, which was uh, created by an amazing graphic novelist called Alison Bechdel. Uh, to pass the Bechdel test, you need to have a film of two female characters in it. Both have to be on the screen at the same time. Both of them have to have a name and uh, have to talk about something isn't a man. And that doesn't sound like a lot to us, does it? It really doesn't, James. And yet. And, and yet. yet. <laughs> I'll tell you what is good for that is the Fast and Furious franchise. God love the Fast and Furious oh, films. That's interesting. Stunning for the Bechdel test. Stunning. If you take a discussion done... of cars and family, though, does that not disqualify right, them? Right, but there's not a cars and family test. <laughs> no, cars and family's fine. Cars and if family you've done a list of and l- coronas are fine. <laughs> so you've done a list of least likely films that, 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 that do um, pass the Bechdel test, of which Fast and Furious would be... And a good example. Well, like, this so, is it. Yeah. Another one we did, which yeah. uh, surprised people, was uh, Magic Mike XXL actually does pass uh, the Bechdel yeah. test really? by by a think, scene. <laughs> so, uh, so what percentage of of I mean, in a film, if there's, so there's this one scene where one scene. The it's two, at least two, it's all it takes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So fine. if you were Sandra Bullock here talking yeah. to me now, and we yeah. were chatting about, I mean, I might start the Baldle test, which is <laughs> bald, white, middle-aged, middle-class guys. Oh, great! Yeah, we really don't have enough of talking that. about each doing other. The, doing the Lord's in, work, boy. Right, doing the Lord's exactly. work right here. It's time Thank for the you. fight back. Oh. They're going to sing songs about you, boy. Thank you so much. In many ways, this podcast is is at the vanguard of that fight. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. As we bald splain our way through television. Fantastic. Have you branched out into television? You know, do do, do you TV? We haven't yet. Movies are our bread and butter, but, you know, we won't not endorse uh, female-friendly. I mean, we've got got at least one here today that will pass, I'm sure. No, it does. It definitely does. We can go into that. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> we shall see. We shall, oh, what should we say? So, uh, so we we need to we need to do some some calibrating, don't we? So, where what is your bag, as it were, when it comes to television? <laughs> oh God! I need to put you. So I need to. So on the one hand of the of the scale, on the other side of the spectrum, you've got you've got me and the Expanse and Star Trek. And all that kind of, and Picard. And then at the other end of the scale, you have Terry with true crime porn, not literal porn, you understand, but like true crime porn. Special uh, Law and Order SVU and Charmed. (laughs) Okay. I appreciate that kind of throws it out slightly. All right. No, 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 you're fine, you're fine. You've got me here. I would say weird indie comedies and Gilmore Girls. Ah, yes. What's that? We were talking about Gilmore Girls on the Empire podcast last night, the one that will never be heard because it didn't record. But uh, Helen's been evangelising about Gilmore Girls. I tried many times to get into it. I watched the entire first season two Christmases ago. Yeah. And... I couldn't. I could. I, fa- I, I don't know. Is it aged badly? If you didn't get into it at the time, like why? Why do I not get it? What's wrong with me? Uh, well, first of all, you're dead inside. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, second- that's <laughs> Yeah, this may be a longer <laughs> <Yeah>. conversation. <laughs> Just mm. channeling my inner Terry here. Yeah. Yeah. Dead inside, James Dyer. Um, but also, it's. Uh, I mean, looking back on it now, it is incredibly white. It is a very white show. Yes. Um, it's incredibly wholesome, and the the peril is mild. Like no one dies of unnatural causes in. Girls. None of the outside world kind of seeps in. It's just a real tonic that takes place in this little, you know, like when the, the snow globe comes down on Springfield mm. in uh, The Simpsons. That's what Stars Hollow is <laughs> in Gilmore Girls. So it's this little bubble where everyone exists and is very kind to each other and courteous. And uh, no one really falls out. When it does, it's the making of a whole episode. And you're genuinely gutted. And all you want is for everyone to be okay by the end of it. And they always are. Wow. Here's a hot fact for you. An episode of The West Wing was shot in Stars Hollow. No. Yes. Oh, God. I'm 98% certain I'm not making this up. Uh, And I believe, if I'm right in saying, it was one of the early, when they're talking about the Bartlett campaign, it's like a flashback one, the campaign office they used part of the Stars Hollow set for. That's made my life. Yeah. That's made my whole life. And my parents will love that. We'll have to have a Christmas sitting of that episode of West Wing. And just and indeed the, the vendor all of them. and all of them, every mm. single one, <laughs> not yes. the not the revisited hour long special. What would you say is your favourite show of all time? Would it be the Gilmore Girls or would it oh, be something? God. No, 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 Boyd. There's no definite article. It's just Gilmore Girls. All right. <laughs> would it be the Gilmore Girls show? Oh, yeah. uh, it's good save. It's good save. It's good save. It's good, good save. Favorite show of all time. Ooh. We didn't ask you to prepare for this, sorry. No, you know. you're But nothing in. immediately comes to mind. That's interesting. You, well, you... let me say, probably my favourite show of the last five years or so is a show called High Maintenance. Yeah. If you watch oh, yeah. HBO's yeah, High Maintenance. Yeah. I've never seen it. Love it. I mean, that's bunch, Banshee worth, is it? Yeah, well, because it's yeah. not it's not a big show. Well, you should Banshee it because I haven't seen it. It's a good show. Well, no, I'm not going to steal it. <laughs> well, that's not your, have you been asked to do a Banshee? Yeah, but oh, it's, okay. not it's not that. It's not that. Okay. But for it's cross, cross-dressing uh, Dan Stevens. Yeah. Wow. In High yeah, Maintenance. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. All right, well, that segues nicely into what we have been watching. Boyd, I sense something portentous. You've been watching something exciting, haven't you? Um, oh, well, I, I mean, I've been watching the, the, the Capture, which the final episode yes. goes out um, tomorrow if, as, as we arrive on Monday. Mm. Um, and I've watched the final episode. As have I. And um, I, I think, well, we just talked about it on the stairs. We, we? did, and, yes. And I'm going to quote you already. You're, you, you're a bit disappointed. I think because the, the, the Penalto episode, yes. which explains everything yes. in, in rather cleverly, I thought, and, and, and in a kind of very well-structured way. Yeah. 
um, it, and is great. And, and even though you think you know which way the whole... Have you watched any of the capture? This, this is the BBC One drama about... Um, it's all the big theme of it and the big kind of expose. So the whole thing has been about, you know, has this guy been framed for a crime he didn't commit? And all of the revelations about that are fascinating. But it's also, you know, an interesting character study as well. Um, and but I the find that because of the way it's structured, because everything is revealed in the penultimate episode of, of exactly what's been going on and who t- and who's been doing what to, to who, the final episode does feel a slight letdown. By it. someone tweeted us both, maybe or maybe just me, saying, you know, is it, it does it wrap things up or does it, you know, leave? Things well, that would open? be a spoiler. Yeah, but I think it's fair to say it does. You know, are they, are they doing more, boy? Do you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. they are. I, I, I yeah. think uh, I, I mean I enjoyed it loads anything with Ron Perlman in is great Holiday Granger is amazing oh, so I think I she's that. fabulous yeah um, and uh, yeah I liked it a lot I think you're right it's, the sixth episode was good but episode five which was a proper what the actual yeah, episode fuck episode, the killer episode yeah. um, it, uh, it felt a bit, yeah. a bit down from that so I watched that and the other thing I finished is apart from that just to say obviously um, Succession is still absolutely extraordinary and the greatest thing on TV in five years. And Emmy winning now. Emmy winning now, exactly. Quite rightly. Well, and that getting the success in succession. Yeah, it gets Sorry. better and better and better <laughs> every week. Absolutely awesome. Um, but I then, I've now finished The Island. Or The Island. Oh, The Island. The one that notoriously terrible, The yeah. Island. So I mentioned this in our, in our live podcast yeah. a couple of weeks ago. This is the Netflix show that just arrived one Thursday. Thursday. When a Netflix shows arrive on a Thursday, you know something's wrong because obviously all their big shows arrive on a Friday. <laughs> you're spooked. You're looking at yeah, your so you're like, Hold on, this isn't right. <laughs> no advance warning pretty much at all. No advance screeners or anything. And, and, it, and it's kind of created by Neil LeBute. Written and directed by Neil LeBute. He actually writes and directs the first few episodes and then kind of various anonymous people suddenly start appearing in the credits. And the created by credit is someone called Anthony Sorto who doesn't exist, seem to exist doing anything else. Right, right. right. And it seems to be, I'm guessing, is, is a pseudonym for Neil LeBute. He must have realised, in my opinion, I haven't read anything about this, it's a mystery, must have realised at some point in this whole production that it's going horribly wrong. So this is their kind of sub-lost, high-concept thing People arrive. People wake up on an island, all kind of dressed rather similarly, mm. um, as if they're like bankers or something, or clerks in an office, and um, a group of men and women, and they don't know why they're there. They can't remember how they got there. They have kind of vague flashbacks to things that have happened to them, but they're all uncertain. It's all kind of like quite, you know, they all end up being horrible to each other quite quickly. And then at the end of episode two, it's revealed exactly what's going on, and there's a big twist, which I won't, I won't reveal. And then for the, and there's seven episodes, right? For the re- next five episodes. A series of extre- in, 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 increasingly preposterous and bonkers and almost disconnected things happen to try and keep it interesting because they've revealed the big twist after two episodes. <laughs> and it's just, and it's almost like the whole thing, not only ground to a halt in terms of what, are we, what do we do now with these characters and this setup, but also in terms of the budget because early on it's quite lavishly filmed, you know, location of where this desert island is. Then there's quite big sets in episode two and it's quite lavish and and, and then by the time I guess episode seven, it's like they've completely lost all, all the cash and there's like bad green screen work and kind of very, it suddenly becomes very small scale, and they wrap it up really quickly in an incredibly nonsensical way. But it is almost the definition of so bad it's good. I was going to say, is, my, it, is really, it fun bonkers? It is fun bonkers. So worth like, a watch. It's worth a watch for its unbelievable badness. And, it's, <laughs> and the other, the other great tell of it, I think, as well as the arriving on Thursdays, it, it, Alex Pettifer is in it. And all I'm where's saying is, where's he been? Where's he where's been? Where's he been? Terrible decisions. I mean, yeah. you know, there've been rumours about him. All, all, <laughs> all sorts of nasty stuff. Running with Channing Tatum. Right. 
Right, Magic exactly. Magic Mike yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. If you, I think he's actually owned up to being a bit of a pain in the arse in various interviews mm. he's done in the past. And kind of, you know, it seems to have claimed that he's got over that. Well, I don't know. But that some of the performances, including his, are truly diabolical. Oh, it is a, a, It is a classic of a terrible show. That still doesn't. I'm still furious with Netflix for commissioning this or paying for this. I mean, even though I just clearly ran out of money and not commissioning the OA, obviously. And loads of other. They've axed loads this week, haven't they? Or before last, they've all yeah. got them. Tico yeah. and Bertie, IAP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awful. But the island, and this is definitely not coming out for another series. I guarantee you that is so shit. Oh no. Yeah. Okay, so Beth, what have you been watching? Well, I also watched a season finale, but one that's uh, been out for a little while, the season finale of uh, season 13 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia mm. because the 14th season... season because the 14th season <laughs> is uh, is on its way. It might be out there. I'm not too sure when it's coming out, but it was just a lovely excuse for me to watch, in my opinion, one of the best season finales of any show, um, which involves the most extraordinary... An unexpected dance sequences I've ever seen in my entire life. So, Rob McElhenney, uh, who is the showrunner, he plays Mac in the show, is run for like a record number of episodes. I think we're into well over 150 episodes at this stage, just because it's so cheap to make. And they all write and star in it for, I don't think, very much money at all. In the last season, it was basically confirmed that Mac is gay. He's trying to uh, explain to um, Frank, who is obviously Danny DeVito, what it means to be gay. And Frank's not getting it, and he's not getting it, and he's not getting it, and he's you know, banging his head against the wall. And so to emphasise kind of the pain and the, the turmoil of coming out and coming to terms with our identity... Mac does this dance sequence with this professional ballet dancer in the rain, shirtless. It's also a ongoing joke that he's gone. He's, his weight sort of fluctuates throughout the seasons. He's either absolutely huge or he's absolutely toned and he's, he's really on, on his best form in this. It is astonishing. It is astonishing, the choreography <laughs> and the dedication that went into this performance of what is one of the crassest shows. We've got Danny DeVito <laughs> naked popping out of a leather couch in one episode. They, they Nothing is off bounds with this show. Everything is awful. They're terrible to each other. They are not nice people. And yet... You watch this beautifully choreographed cinematic final sequence and you will have tears in your eyes. You'll want to call your dad. It's incredible. So that was my week. <laughs> wow. That's one of my blind spots. I've never seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And people wanted me to, back when we did Funny or Die as a segment, that was a regular request for it. And we never did it. So I've never seen it. Yeah, it's think... all on Netflix. I implore you to go away. But do it yeah. when you're feeling good about yourself. If you're feeling, well, actually, if you're feeling bad as well, like feel bad really? with other people. They're awful to each other. They okay, are the good. worst people. Well, I'm glad you brought up that show because I don't think we've ever even mentioned it, which is which is remiss of us. I don't mm. think our three of us really. I no. watched the first few few seasons, but yeah. I have not, I have to say, I've got like 10 or whatever to catch up on. But you're right. It, is, it was an absolutely groundbreaking kind of great show. Yeah. There's no I'm, shot that. I haven't seen it, you know, yeah. what with it being a comedy. Sorry, I've got about 150 episodes to catch up. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no, no surprise you don't watch it. No. Yeah. But uh, that, that season, am, am I right in saying, because now there has been a season since then, I think, where he is where he's out and gay and that's yeah, yeah so that's the last one right. and it's him so he's out and he's you know I mean there's a there's a little bit there's a few think pieces that are worth reading where it's like oh should this straight character be yeah. kind of conveying this 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 battle about being gay and but I just think it's handled so carefully and so beautifully um, I I don't take issue with it at all but yeah. it, it really is worth there's a there's a episode called Charlie's Day Off or Charlie and it's Charlie Day who is in my opinion the best thing in it and it's almost like this it's all shot in one take mm. 
And it's stunning. That's a great place to start. If you don't really care about story and you just want to see the potential of the show, yeah, I think it's called Charlie's Day Off or Charlie's Day, where it's just following him around work. And it's exquisite. It's incredible. That would have been a good funny or dire. It would have. <laughs> we'll never know yeah, now. No. <laughs> well, I'm maybe sorry. We'll, maybe we'll come back one well, day. We'll do a one-off revival. Yeah. Maybe at the next live show. Yeah. Um, what have I been watching this week? Oh, God. So... Mm. <sighs> I watched Bonjour La Classe. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. So, I watched some of Bonjour La Classe yeah. as well. So, I but I'd, I don't I'd, I'd wait for you to mention know it. Know this, but so so my claim to fame, as I voiced last week, was I was in an early 90s sitcom called Bonjour La Classe. And when I say in, I mean it was filmed at my school and I am in some of the shots. <laughs> so therefore, I was in this TV show, which no one has heard of. All of it is on YouTube. So I said, oh, no, I'll watch all of them. I'll watch all six. I made it through three quarters of the first <gasps> one. I was like, fucking hell. This may be the worst. <laughs> Worst sitcom ever created. <laughs> it's so terrible. Like, Playner comes in, he's bumbling along, and the headmaster's just trying to get funding for the new sports hall. And it's just these really sort of clanky gags that just fall absolutely flat. Oh, yeah. And I did scan through it, and there's a number of scenes that take place in kind of assembly, which was in our school chapel. Yes. Uh, and I was trying to pick myself out of it, but it's really low res. It's from a fuzzy VHS. And I could definitely pick out my friend Simon Rinkoff. <laughs> and I normally sit next to him. So the weird sort of blurred mass to his left, yeah. I think is me. So if you know Simon Rinkoff, you see him. I'm next to him. Uh, <laughs> but I saw loads of people like Zach Byrne was down the front. I saw Digby Hallsby at the back. I'm name checking everyone. I think Nick Corbett, I could see as well. Don't know if you listen to this podcast. Hi, Nick, if you do. Uh, but loads of my old school chums were in this. I could see them. It's like a virtual reunion. Yeah. By exactly. way of Bonjour. I know, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, it was quite, it's quite, it was quite an interesting experience for me. I was going to watch them all. I didn't make it through, really, the first one. So uh, the scene that apparently you can see me from behind walking into a building. Apparently there is a shot, a transitional shot, yeah. and it's me walking into the study block. Uh, and I know this because at I never saw this when I was at school, but the school librarian. It's absolutely true, Miss Price. Came up to me and told me that the previous night this shot had happened. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I must see it. But, you know, didn't. Never did. But apparently our, uh, our eagle-eyed listeners have been searching for me, have been unable to find me. So perhaps it got cut. It no longer I exists. Say, I, 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 I thought, I'll have a look to try and find him. And I gave up after about... That's fair enough. Probably yeah. not Fast forwarding through. I had long hair, though, so I imagine it would be quite oh, difficult yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to actually... Like, you were looking for... I'm, I think I was looking I'm for looking for a, a middle-aged bald man and I can't man. find him. <laughs> Yeah, it was a long yeah. time ago, boy. Yeah. I was a wee, a wee lad. Yeah, even I had hair once. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so that was Montreal class. But so that's one thing I've been watching. I also started watching The Hot Zone, which we were supposed to review on this very podcast a few weeks ago. One week when I was off, and because I was off, none of you fuckers did it because it clearly didn't appeal to you. So this is the Juliana Margulies um, yeah. show, and it's an adaptation of the Richard Preston book from the nineties, which I read back in the nineties during Ebola panic when people were all terrified about that stuff. And I remember the book because it's uh, it's not a fictionalized book at all. He he did a fictionalised version. Well, he did a fictionalised virus outbreak book called the Cobra Event afterwards, which wasn't very good. But the Hot Zone is a uh, essentially is a, is a narrative driven true life story about an outbreak of Ebola that happened just outside Washington DC, which uh, is where Ebola reston, which is a particular strain of Ebola, comes from. Uh, and I remember being horrified by this book. And this series replicates that. Um, I watched two episodes and got bored. So oh, no. I'm not sure not I can recommend it. Well, I'm not so glad. A great week at all. I'm so glad we didn't bother with but, it. Yeah, uh, no. What's it on? It's on Discovery or something, isn't it? It's or on something Nat like it's Nat Geo in the States. I can't I think it's remember on which well. channel it's on here. Yeah. Um I, 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 I they will blend together. I think that's partly why we didn't do it. It's grotesque um 
lack of attention paid to yeah. this channel. There's the monkeys spitting virus at people. And, oh, that sounds and, great. Yeah, I mean, it's got that. But also, <laughs> it's, like, it's like they introduce a character... And it's Topher Grace. And you're like, well, I oh, mean, Topher. for fuck's sake, we know you're dodgy because you're in it and you're Topher Grace. <laughs> so, you know, so, and then there's a ridiculous subplot where he may have contracted it, but he doesn't tell anyone. So he's a potential time bomb ticking and he won't own up to the fact that he was sniffing a flask full of virus for reasons I won't go into. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it went off the rails quite early. Yeah. Liam Cunningham's in it. He's good. Oh, yeah. good. That was fun. It's Listen. no Chernobyl, is it? It's no, it's no, it's really no Chernobyl. <laughs> I mean, Chernobyl have fewer spitting monkeys. But uh, even even yeah. when you take that into account, I feel that this yeah. this this measures up okay. poorly. So that was the other thing I watched. And I, what I won't talk about is I when well, I am literally now talking about it. But <laughs> uh, my Battlestar Galactica rewatch has kicked up a notch. I'm back into that now. Can it's, it kick up a notch? Yeah, even I know how have you managed to do that? Because yeah. well, <laughs> so I've been you watched been, four in a go. Well, no, because that... you know I've been watching this along to the Battlestar Galactica cast, which uh, oh, Trisha yeah, helped about that, yeah, which I've fallen out of love with. Because it's really boring. So I've abandoned the podcast. Let's none of those podcasts are listening. I, I don't think they do. But I've abandoned that. It's no West Wing Weekly. Uh, I've abandoned that podcast. I'm now going it alone, which enables me to binge it at <gasps> my own rate. Rogue. I've gone rogue. Mm. So uh, much like Starbuck in the series, oh, I have. No. Uh, I've gone rogue in oh, my Viper, dear. and I'm just I'm just <laughs> slurping it all up. Great. I just wow. finished the second part of Coble's Last Gleaming, which ends on a big old cliffhanger. Really happy for you. Yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, that's what we were watching. That's as good a way of moving him on as any. <laughs> Yeah. Well done. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for this week's news, and really there can only be one thing to headline this void, and it is the Emmys. Yes, I mean, it is a week ago It now. is a week ago, um, but, but here we still, are. But still, we should address the fact that Fleabag, I mean, it's, it was, Woo! as they say in the in the popular papers, a huge night for the Brits. 100%. 100%. Well done, us. Well done, the Brits. Um, I love the way we, we, we're taking ownership yeah, of Phoebe I'm Waller-Bridge. I'm myself on the back. Yeah. You know. This is a double news story, because there is, the, there's, there's the fact that Fleabag yeah. triumphed, um, I think, and I think it was even though it might not feel like such a surprise to us because I think you know we've all here mm. on this podcast, yeah, we've considered it to be one of the greatest things ever, you know, series two and everything. But and in America, it's got brilliant reviews and brilliant notices. But stuff like Veep, for example, that wins pretty much year in year yeah. out, and that was a final season snubbed and across the board. Of, yeah, it was was completely snubbed. So for Fleabag the show to win mm. and for Phoebe Waller Phoebe Waller Bridge to win was a brilliant, absolute astonishing triumph, and shows you just think how good it is. It's so great that show and that it, yeah. the whole American Academy of it whatever it is prompted that it. glorious pap shot of yes. her yes. cigarette in hand well, Emmys around her yes. well, it hang was. it in the Louvre yes. <laughs> yes. well it wasn't a pap shot that was not a pap shot no oh did that she pose for it that takes some of the fun no no, no. well it, it was taken by um, a guy who's a TV executive who I know um, oh okay yeah, who worked on who worked um, who works now for BBC Studios he's in charge mm. of comedy for BBC Studios who worked at Sky and he's friends with Phoebe yeah he worked on the her Channel 4 show Crashing and um, he's a really good guy. He's called Josh Cole. He's an Arsenal fan. Um, he's kind of a friend of mine. So I know the guy who took that iconic photo, Philly Warbridge, kicking back. I think it's at the um, the that famous hotel in on off Sunset Boulevard. The Chateau Marmont. Chateau Marmont. Mm. Exactly. Did you say that? Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. But oh, yes. Surrounded by our Emmys, smoking and holding a cocktail, mm. and he surrounded by yeah, Emmys. Surrounded by the Emmys, and it was oh. a brilliant, brilliant image. And he has got a great eye because he's always taking really good photos of things like this on and, his and Instagram, people and like Twitter. you, and people. <laughs> But it went properly viral. 
viral, Josh Costing. I was mm. very proud of him because he's a yeah. lovely guy. He's a great guy. He worked on Sally Forever, which we reviewed, yes. and stuff like that. So he's a very talented young uh, young comedy producer. But this is his greatest achievement of his <laughs> whole life. <laughs> to take Absolutely. that photo. And that went Absolutely. properly. That went even more viral than yeah. when James was nearly arrested <laughs> by immigration in LA. It's that like man. Phoebe up here and yeah. James just And just people are like, there. I think he's going to make posters of it for charity and stuff. And people Brilliant. Upset. And it was in on the like, front page of American papers. It's such a brilliant classic image and similar to other images in the past of like Faye Dunaway lying by the pool I think is a famous yeah, one yeah. it was in maybe in Vanity Fair just uh, that, that post awards thing and she and, owns, and she it. owns it she every looks, inch exactly. of that photo it's, it's everyone's photo ever and my friend Josh Cole took it so I take some pride in that <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's Martin McDonough who after the back no, of those wins right. the spat of articles that have come up who is Phoebe Waterbridge's boyfriend Martin McDonough That's and funny, I think that it? is amazing yeah. <laughs> the Oscar winner Yes. Martin McDonough it's just Phoebe Waterbridge's boyfriend Phoebe Waterbridge's yeah, boyfriend that is a talented step duo. back yeah and, the, and of course the other news story apart from the photo and the winning awards is that she's now been given a massive yeah. multi-million it's dollar a 20 contract 20 million yeah. dollar contract well some some people are reporting 50 million really I mean, yeah I mean who knows who the fuck knows but wow. she's getting a, a fuckload of money from Amazon Studios to do um, to do exclusive stuff for them but of course what's interesting is she, they'd already announced an HBO show she's creating I think maybe about six months ago so I'm assuming that will still happen yeah. I no. Um, but just, I think it's kind of amazing, isn't it, that this little show that arrived without any fanfare a couple of years ago, Series 1, you know, on BBC 3, mm. not even BBC <laughs> 1 or 2. BBC yeah. is not even a channel, yeah. let's face it. <laughs> and, you know, this brilliant, and, and it started as a one-woman show yeah. in, so, in the Soho Theatre yeah. in London. All of the whole story, and now she's getting 20, at least 20 million to do fucking stuff for, for I mean it is just an incredible story it's just yeah. it's pure, sheer, it makes my heart talent. go it really yeah, does to same. see the success of same, this wonderful yeah. and she's such a grounded wonderful if you see any interviews yeah. and things with her as well not an inch of ego on that woman she's fucking great exactly oh, I think she's magnificent yeah. I really do I'm glad she had a great evening but it was uh, Mrs. Maisel did very well as well yeah. in Comedy State I love, interesting. I love it but enough now I like, <laughs> oh, really? enough Maisel I love it I love Maisel it down. I love okay. it I, I won't ask you to do a feature on it for the next issue <laughs> now, then. season 3 coming along quite soon I gladly will <laughs> All I'm saying is, if that makes, I just, because the show that loses out to The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel every single fucking time is Glow. Glow misses out every time. Oh, yeah. And tell me that Alison Brie and Betty Gilpin do not deserve awards for those performances in that mm. show. I'm sorry. The topics that they handle in that show, the physicality behind it as well. I know that Hollywood's just in love with the craft of Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. But like, Glow is magnificent. Glow is such a strong ensemble piece. It's one of those great shows where you forget about the ethnicity or the size of the characters you just care about the stories and the performances and every time they lose the fucking marvellous Mrs Maisel she is marvellous she's marvellous but like <laughs> give Glow a chance it's the fourth and final season coming out next year and I want to see some awards yeah, damn I, it Glow is the show that I said the third season was the final season I was completely wrong I think I said podcast. it too yeah. I, I think and I'm, all three of us we, we didn't really why love the, the show season. either <laughs> we didn't really like it that much we kind of underestimated it yeah apologies yeah, we, we've, it's we, fine we at least you've come it. to your senses now yeah. we've got a, a season left but that was my beef with mm. Maisel basically uh. I'm not underestimating it at all I think the craft in it is wonderful. She's fucking phenomenal. I just want to see Glow in with a few wins before it bows out. I really do. Mm. Yeah, no, fair enough. What about the, the Game of Thrones? They got two, didn't they? Dinklage yeah. and Best Drama. Well, the big one, Best Drama. But then it's one of these things. So it, it's the conflict of this is a phenomenon and it's on its way out. Yeah. So this is your last chance to reward it. But also this was the controversial uh, season. Beth, mm. did you watch Game of Thrones? Were you a throne you, fan? You know I did. How you did you feel about the bells? <laughs> 
Boy, don't speak. <laughs> Listen, I think the achievements of that show are gastronomical. I think it's incredible what people... And the, the dedicated... I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, yeah, that's brilliant. You're about to launch... Uh, just say you didn't like yeah. it. But I think there was definitely the sense wasn't there. So people got... people were Most people... I would say the majority of Game of Thrones fans, well, at least the ones you read about online yeah. and listen to on podcasts and stuff, didn't were disappointed with that final season. I wasn't particular. I thought it was. I thought it was great. But clearly, this a win for, for the Emmys was a yeah. recognition of its whole history, wasn't yeah. it? And it's, it yeah. wasn't. You know, this yeah. was not an award. It was literally an award for the last season. But in fact, it felt like a celebration. You know, they brought them on stage, those cast members, and they had a big celebration. And they won the thing. It was almost like a coronet. It's kind of like when Lord of the Rings, that third film, won that one Best Picture at the Oscars. You're going to say that was valid. I don't think it was. No, um, no. But it's, it's <laughs> the weakest you know, it's like, of the three yeah, films. Yeah, so. you kind of award the achievement of the whole thing. Don't yeah. you? So yeah. I thought yeah. it was nice. I think of Lena. Nice. He had won for best oh, actress yeah. I would have kissed her feet oh, because yeah. all she did for that whole season was get yes. smashed yeah. get smashed at a window she show. really didn't do a lot if she would have won I'd have been in absolute awe of that woman oh, yeah, that she made a incredible. shit ton of money for just drinking some wine yeah. Yeah, fair great pleasure. Yeah. well done uh, what else happened Bandersnatch won didn't it Russian mm. Doll won nothing no. no that was a blow that was a blow Chernobyl got some got some love yeah that was good yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. generally, I thought generally they were they were pretty fair. I have to say, and Gerald uh, yeah. Jerome for uh, when they see us. I could was... hear Amon's little fist mm. going up in the air when <laughs> that win come through. Well done. Yeah. Also, Billy Porter and obviously Jodie Comer, massive wins. Yeah, yes, Billy yes. Porter, Jodie Comer, fantastic. That was a surprise right. win. That was yeah, that was a surprise win. Spot on. Totally, totally deserved. Yeah. And Billy Porter, the first black gay man to win in the Best Actor category yeah. in the Best Hat, which I'm going to just move into. <laughs> I mean, his outfits are now something else, aren't they? Like he, the pressure he must be under now is just out of this world. They does it. <laughs> he outdoes himself every, every time. single time. Yeah, and then sweet baby Jesse Armstrong for Succession. Yeah. Yes, Peep shows Jesse Armstrong. Thanks for mentioning that. I was just like, oh yes, you worked so hard. These were really good Emmys because yeah. all of those things were so richly deserved. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think Succession will. See, I don't know. Time. Like, and Michelle Williams won for Fosse Verdon, and yeah. I know I only watched the first episode of that. But and Michelle Williams is a phenomenal actor, but I did not love her in Fosse Verdon. Yeah, but we have to watch the rest of it because I've. Not, I know I've, you've turned around yeah, on this. I turned. You? I didn't yeah. turn around. Yeah. yeah. I think that speech deserved an Emmy for oh, great, um, speech. great speech. Yeah. I love she brings. Um, oh, what's her best mate? Yes. She brings her to every awards. Um, Busy Phillips. Yes. Ah, Busy Phillips. They they bring each other to every awards show. Since Dawson's Creek. I love it. And they always bring each other as a plus ones. It's really sweet. Really sweet friendship. Oh, that's great. Love it. Uh, John Oliver also won for last week tonight with John Oliver, which I absolutely love. That's one of my favourite TV shows. Definitely. Very excited about that. It's a brilliant show. All right. So, Emmys. Good stuff. What else have we got in the news front? Um, I was going to mention that Andrew Scott, who was snubbed at the Emmys, of course, he wasn't even nominated in a disastrous cock-up by someone in the best <laughs> but he is character. very actually. talented, isn't he, boy? He is very talented, you're right. <laughs> and, thank you, he is playing the talented Mr Ripley of Ripley novels by Patricia Highsmith. Indeed. Yes. This whole project is fucking exciting. Yes, mm. yes, Because yes, yes, yes. not only have you got... Sorry, have I stolen this from no, you? No, no, we no, no, this no. On our list I'm of, just our grinning. I can't get yeah. words out right now. I'm so excited. I mean, Andrew Scott playing the incredibly manipulative egomaniac but, incre- but charismatic character yeah. Ripley as played by Matt Damon in the film The Tantamus Ripley in 1999 which I love that film um, just the whole, Stephen Zalian is writing and directing mm. the whole thing and he did The Night Of one of the greatest oh, recent so good. limited series yeah. on HBO on TV was that Riz? yeah you would yeah, Riz Ahmed. yeah that so was brilliant good. so just the whole thing is very very exciting and per- absolutely fucking perfect casting you think yeah 
Andrew Scott. Yeah. He's going to be great. I think that's going to lead to some problematic role play where Andrew Scott can bash me over the head with a boat or... Wow. I mean, <laughs> went straight there. It's always its role play. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a whole fascinating yeah. insight into your mind send, now. We're not going to send you to interview. No, him, maybe not. Maybe not. Can you Just bash hold this. Yeah. <laughs> you probably would. You'd do it. Let's put some jazz on and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you see the slightly weird line of duty story? Oh, it's 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 a really w- interesting line yeah. of story. Yeah. So this, is, uh, this is Cressida Dick who... Uh, is Britain's most senior police officer, who yeah. uh, says the, and I quote, casual and extreme corruption in line of duty gave police a bad name. She took Ted yes. to task. Ooh. But what's brilliant is, Jed Mercurio brilliantly, as is his won't quite rightly, tweeted her back about it effectively, saying, you know, well, in fact, there have been some terrible examples of corruption and cover-up. And he talked about the John Charles de Menezes situation when an innocent man was killed, was shot. Um, yeah. And he's not taking it lightly, let's put it that way. And I think, <laughs> well, he, fair enough. He, he doesn't give a shit, does no, he? No, he doesn't. Like, well, <laughs> but quite rightly, preposterous for her to kind of have a go at, at, at any a TV, fictional TV drama taking as its subject police investigating corrupt police which yeah. is clearly a thing that happens because yeah. you can't say there's never been any case of police corruption it's an idiotic thing for us yeah. to say. Right. Uh, she did say however that line of duty has driven a lot of police recruitment so I guess it's oh, done wow. that because wow. it makes them all look right. a bit cool Yeah, but I think if all policemen were like Ted Hastings we would live in a much better society that is true yes. and they're definitely not all like Ted Hastings they're t- definitely not like Ted <laughs> Uh, what else have we got out there? Oh, great. Do you see this Jared Padalecki thing? So Jared Padalecki, off Supernatural fame, is going to play Walker, Texas Ranger in a reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> this you is- know what else he's in? Gilmore Girls. He is in Gilmore Girls, that's right, because <laughs> yeah. he snogs Rory, doesn't he? He's the first one too, yeah, yes. Yeah. Rory's, Rory's chosen kiss. Oh, bless him. And then he goes on to become Sam Winchester. Yeah. Um, which, Helen... O'Hara wants to anyway uh, and uh, and so yeah he's going to be Walker Sexus Ranger but how do you follow in the footsteps of Chuck fucking Norris right? how does that even work did you just work? say Walker Sexus Ranger yes <laughs> Walker <laughs> that was a Sexus great, Ranger that was I think maybe this Freudian. is perhaps it is it's like, I wish he was yeah. your first kiss Chuck really. Norris was Walker Texas Ranger Jared Padalecki <laughs> is Walker <laughs> Sexus Ranger see that's a whole Could different spin and Helen will be on set in a heartbeat so <laughs> she will be yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm down for that so Walker Sexus Ranger will be coming to uh, CBS at some point in the near future starring Jared Padalecki so that's uh, that's good brilliant yeah. any new story Beth because we haven't given in, in a kind of Bechdel test in a in a, in a bored middle oh, yeah, man way I think we've both done all these news stories we've been news explaining to you no 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 I think that was all of it what did I have Andrew Scott oh the El Camino trailer but I don't know yes, if that yes. is no 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 it is we're taking ownership of that fuck it <laughs> Empire can't have it I we're can't. having it <laughs> but the interesting thing about that is none of us get to see that thing I don't think in advance well no. Netflix are airing it but they're airing it with the debut on the channel so they're doing a screening on the big screen but it's the morning that it drops on Netflix oh, well, so I mean, you know yeah. I could watch it at home <laughs> are you a Breaking Bad fan? I don't mind it. Ooh. I'm not. Um, I don't mind it whatsoever. You know, I get the hype. I like the Rian Johnson bottle episodes. You know, who oh, doesn't? So good. The Fly, I think, is absolutely yeah. stunning. Ozzy Mandias is magnificent. Um, Jesse's in it. Your, your boy Jesse. Uh, yes. him? Aaron Paul. And mm. Aaron Paul, obviously. Uh, yeah, great. I mean, I'm obviously doing it goosebumps in the last like few seconds of the trailer. Like I know that a lot of people do. It's just it's just one for the fans, isn't it? And I'm happy for mm. Jesse. I feel like he's not done loads since. Not really anything. No, not really. He did Need for Speed, which was shocking. Need for Speed. Oh, God, yeah, he's in yeah, Bojack was... Horseman, which I genuinely think is the best thing he's done since. Um, I'm racking my brains. I don't think he's done much of like real life. So I'm glad he's he's getting to bring this character out once more. And I think fans will fucking love this, regardless of if it's a good film or not. Yeah. 
I, 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 I really like the trailer. It was really bleak, though. It's yeah. Very, very dark. Um, my only concern with it is, while I want to see this, and I think it's great they're doing it, like, the finale of Breaking Bad is almost perfection. And I just feel like mm. adding, now tacking a bit on the end of that, mm, is that a good idea? I don't know. I feel a bit weird about yeah, it. the finale was brilliant. Mm. Yes. But... I think it's just going to do really well. I think fans, for the fans, yeah, this sure, is absolutely. just one last airing. I don't think they'll hear a, a wrong word said against no, it. No, you might be right. You might be right. I'm, I'm certainly, I'm very excited to see it. I will absolutely watch it the day it drops. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah same. We will see what happens. Right. Is that it for news? No, I've got one more. Oh, oh. one more. has a, an outlier. Well, one of my favourite shows growing up. Well, I said growing up. I must have been in my late teens, yeah. 30-something was my favourite show when I was in my late teens, and I think it must have been, yeah, I remember watching University and talking about it with um, with, with friends. It became a massive phenomenon. Yeah. It was shown on Channel 4 here. It was one of the first kind of, it, it, at the time, it felt cinematic, even though actually when you look back at it now, um, it looks pretty crap, in fact. But it felt kind of, you know, the sets were great, set, a lot of set and advertising agency. It kind of established the whole idea of an ad agency having all brickwork, exposed brickwork, and mm. being all trendy and cool. And it felt like a cool kind of kind of inquiry into yuppieism, you know, like it, it was kind of quite satirical of these ad agency types and their slightly glib middle class lives. Yeah. Um, but it was so brilliantly done, so compelling, and the characters were so fantastic. And anyway, they're doing a reboot. They're doing a new series, but with the kids of the original characters. So based on them, because they were now, you know, what thirty years later. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a really good idea because and the, the people who created the show uh, are going to be involved, and I'm very excited about the whole idea. Have we got a cast? No, no cast yet, but all we know is that uh, Marshall Herskowitz and Ed Zwick, who created it, are going to be working on it. Wicked. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen an episode? I have not, no. That who, will definitely who, pass the Bechdel test. Fantastic. Who was in the original? In the, good question. Ken Olin, Mel Harris, um, a Patricia Wettig, Peter Horton, Polly Draper. A lot of the, I th- I'm pretty sure that almost all the cast, I'll have to check, I haven't checked this, but in mm. my mind, they've all gone on to, be, to direct a lot of good TV. Mm. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so they're kind of, a lot of them still very successful, and, you know, and they're, and they're all, but they were brilliant, perfectly yeah. cast. Excellent. There you go. Looking forward to that. On now to this week's reviews. Um, first up this week is Catherine the Great. This is a lavish miniseries from HBO and Sky Atlantic, starring Helen Mirren as the monarch. Hot fact, Russia's longest reigning female monarch. Uh, Jason McClark, Gina McKee, Rory Kinnear, uh, Richard Roxburgh and Paul Kay all co-star in this, uh, which picks up with Catherine soon after she takes the Russian throne, having staged a coup d'etat, which did for her husband, Peter III. So... Boyd the first. <laughs> is this great oh, or a load of Cossacks? Oh, what a lovely little uh, little thematic intro that was. Um, I really enjoyed it. I um, I think it's a it's a romp, mm. and you mm-hmm. know the, his, the great historical um, drama genre can go either way. It can be you know a slightly earnest inquiry into the. I mean, there's lots of interesting elements to it, and it is quite kind of there's you know there's quite a feminist element to it in the fact that this is a woman who rises to power and she's surrounded by doofus blokes who are trying to steal that power from her and to undermine mm. her every step of the way and she kind of a lot of it's how she triumphs over them how she maintains her power in a very clever political way um, and it's also interestingly a kind of look at the the sexual and social manners of the time and um, I interviewed Helen Mirren for Pilot TV magazine and she pointed out how 
all of the elements of it. So she's a very proud um, uh, woman who sleeps with quite a few different men in the mm. course of this mm. four-part show. And she's kind of out and proud of, about it. So she doesn't yeah. try to hide from any of her courtiers or any of um, the people around her that she's sleeping with these various, mostly younger men. And then she kind of has a more long-lasting affair um, with Potemkin, as you mm. say. And she, and Helen Mirren said that that's absolutely true to the time, that, that the kind of the idea of being ashamed um, of you having affairs and all of that was kind of a new thing that happened after this period she was saying and how you know it's, it was kind of historically accurate to say she no one would have given a shit yeah. I thought that was really <laughs> interesting um, and it's kind of like a celebrate, celebration I felt an element of it of celebrating female sexuality and the fact that this woman does what the fuck she wants yeah. and obviously part of that is she's helped by the fact that she is the ruler I mean, yeah, being, being empress <laughs> yeah. does help she with is, that you've seen charge. what happens to yeah. people that cross her so. 100% yeah <laughs> but I, th- I do think uh, the thing about Helen Mirren is I, I love Prime Suspect. So Prime Suspect, yes. going back all that, that far, was one of my favourite things for a long, long magnificent. time. A magnificent, groundbreaking show. And she was fucking brilliant in that. But I would say, I didn't say this when I was interviewing her, that kind of in recent times I feel like, you know, there was The Queen, the film The Queen, but I don't feel there's been a project that's really um, uh, exploited her talent yeah. to the full. Whereas this... I beg your pardon, Hobson on. Shaw. Thank you. Oh, oh Shaw. my God. <laughs> yeah, you're right, I do apologise. Statham's mum. It's part of the franchise. Um, so I feel like this is the best thing, the best vehicle for her for a long, long time. Mm. And she absolutely takes it by the scruff of the neck and has a fucking brilliant time making you could tell I could tell when I was speaking to her she just loved every minute of it she had a brilliant time with Jason Clark, who's a really who's yeah. kind of a riot as this guy as this crazy kind of war hero maverick kind of egomaniac and you actually there's, you can see that, that she kind of managed to, to, to deal with him her own way so it's a kind of I really enjoyed I pretty much enjoyed every minute of it I think it's a, it looks great it's properly lavish um, as you would expect of a big Sky yeah. Atlantic um, drama yeah. I really enjoyed it yeah I think it is more on the side of Tudors than like the crown yeah. uh, if you don't have me at my tutors you don't deserve me at the crown um, and you can absolutely see why this got made people are obsessed with the damn monarchs at the moment aren't they when you think about we've got the new crown coming up we've got the king with Timothy Chalamet roll them eyes I get it I get it girls but like alright um, and obviously the favourite did it was extraordinary yeah. and I think people really do I certainly prefer my monarchs a bit more punk mm. really get I like down him. with the crown absolutely <laughs> indeed <Steady>. uh, <laughs> so you can kind of see the appeal I can absolutely see why this has been greenlit um, you've got this really tasty role for Helen Mirren as you say longest female Russian leader and at the expense of her own husband also she just seems to be having a great time she rips the shit out of her son which I love yes. there's a scene with um, oh and Gina McKee as well who I'm a massive fan oh, of so she's got this great um, friendship with Gina McKee um, and she's just there dragging her son who can probably hear her and basically calling him a wet sponge um, and really ugly and um, she just does what enough she yeah. wants but she's also you know much as, as Olivia Coleman in The Favourite there's a vulnerability to her as well but it's not her defining trait which I really like um, and the production value is great I, lo- I love Jason Clark. I love him so much I've written him down as military handsome I think he's got like a real <laughs> yeah. like he's been on the battlefields yeah. he's been around beds and battlefields and he's you know come up yeah. with it's a face with like stories on it do you know what I oh, mean he's only got like, w- even with one eye yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah. and he's just got this real surly look to him yeah. but I'm I'm here for it. At one it. point, I think it might be in episode two or three, she calls him a... They have great... Oh, I can only just use the word banter, I'm afraid. They have great, <laughs> her, Helen Mirren and him have great banter and she calls him a one-eyed cunt. In, uh, Brilliant. Three. I enjoyed that. Oh. Go, spoiler alert. I'm going to have to hold on for that one. Uh, Gina McKee, lest we forget, was in 
the Lenny Henry show opposite Delbert Wilkins. So She's obviously sweat. that was her her star making yeah. role. Definitely. I like the fact that your first takeaway <laughs> from Catherine the Great is to mention the Lenny Henry show yes. because you banshee it misguidedly a couple of weeks ago. That's right. That's right. Um, so I didn't love this. Okay. I've got to be honest okay. with you. It's uh, not very you though, is it? Yeah. There are a number of reasons why. There are no why. spaceships in it. Uh, first of all, so where you have the Bechdel Test Fest, I have the Bell End Test Fest, where I, I struggle with, especially TV shows, that have a higher than 98% proof Bell End rating. <laughs> like, if I can't root for everyone, if it's populated solely oh, by yeah, Bell Ends, yeah. I find it really hard to get purchase on the show. No rooting and problem. this, this is thick with Bell End. Bell End Central. You didn't like her. I didn't. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I know I liked the performance and right. I thought it was great but I felt no warmth towards the character mm. whatsoever. No. Um, and what I liked about this, so the things I liked about it, yes, I thought the costume design was spectacular and I thought yeah. it did look lavish and it was beautiful and it was an interesting part of history that I don't know that much about. Um, and I thought what they really nailed with it was the humanity. You get a real sense of the texture of depth of human emotion and relationships and human fallibility. I think Jason Clark in particular uh, as one of the sporting roles has that but mm. she obviously is the focus of this like you get a real sense for who she is mm. um, and it's it's very well written but Miran brings so much of herself to that so I really like that but the bellends were rife <laughs> and I found it quite dull as well I just I wasn't engaged by the story I couldn't root for the characters I didn't care when a character got thrown out of a window I didn't care when a character got his head cut off Um, I enjoyed moments I think there was I'm not going to use the B word, but then one's banter. And uh, I, I like the moment where she's having that discussion with Rory Kinnear about, uh, and he's like, you know, you know, so good of you to be merciful. And she was like, am I? She goes, I'm not always. Just ask the girl who does my hair. Uh, <laughs> Zing. Yeah, but she's like, I mean, she's proper ruthless in it when yeah. she needs to be. And I really like that about her. Definitely. She's completely unflinching. And I, and it must have been, you know, for her, you know, as a woman in that position, having deposed her husband, which I don't think she particularly liked anyway, no. Um, no. you know, and, and having, you know, so many people fighting for her throne to be so self-assured and to push through, let's be honest, quite liberal reforms as a Russian monarch. Because yeah. Her husband before her had been kind of a reformer for the, you know, six months he was allowed to be alive. Uh, But she took it even further and completely overshadowed him with her achievement. So what she did as a monarch, I think, was was fascinating. And I'm sure this explores that further. So there's interesting stuff here. But am I going to watch more of it? Yet. Well, I've watched the whole thing, so it's very entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a great little, there's a lovely little Europe thing going on, isn't there? Kind of nice, smart little kind of, they, she wants to get out of Europe and then she's annoyed by Europe thing going on. Yeah. Wow. Well, so it's nice. all, it's all it's good all for there. Brexit. Parallels <laughs> full, full of parallels. Amazing. Well, Catherine the Great does air on Sky Atlantic on Thursday, October the 3rd at 9 pm and it runs for four, not three, but four <laughs> weeks. And I think it's all dropping that night, though. Oh, so it is. You can so it doesn't run for four weeks. It runs for four seconds because it no, all arrives. And they show it week after week as well. Fine. They do both. Don't and they? I presume it's on Now TV as well? Correct. There we go. Well done. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. My apologies for Now TV because I always forget yeah. them. Uh, next up is Swamp Thing. Not the uh, musical hit from the 90s, but rather the latest in a long line of DC TV series. Crucially, though, this is not part of the Arrowverse. Beth, are you into the Arrowverse? I couldn't tell you what that is, James. Oh, okay, good. Because Amon, when he comes Fair on here, does nothing but bang on about infinite Earths and Arrowverses. And I'm going to do Amon bingo and it's going to be... Flash ties in with this and the guy with the arrows and anyway uh, so the Arrowverse forms the backbone of most of the DC TV stuff but this is not that so but interestingly this debuted in the US in May on DC Universe which is the DC streaming platform is it still going? Uh, I think it's still going okay 
Um, yeah. But what, what DC Universe? Yeah. yeah oh DC, no, I know the show. Yeah, the yeah. show is yeah. DC Universe. Is. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this so this is an adaptation of the Len Wein created character who also created Wolverine, mm-hmm. um, of the same name. And he's kind of a mutant eco warrior who prowls the swamps, taking out polluters. So he's a bit like uh, Greta Thunberg if uh, she had more tentacles. <laughs> um, is and Captain Planet. A little bit, but he's less he's less aesthetic. So Captain Planet is a bit green, but otherwise, you know, rickishly handsome. Swamp Thing is not that. Do you fancy Captain Planet, James? Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't fancy Captain Planet? The first owner of a hybrid you automobile. Do I fancy more than Swamp Thing? <laughs> Do I fancy more than Walker Sexus Ranger? That's the question, surely. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, back to Swamp Thing, who we may or may not fancy. Yes. This is a slight change in tone for DC. So this is a full-on horror and involves a mysterious illness that's broken out in a in a Louisiana town. Uh, Beth, was this your thing, swamp or otherwise? Mm, no. <laughs> no, you didn't love no, it. it wasn't. I just, I mean, are we talking about the fate of the show? Are we leaving that till later? Well, okay, oh, no, so no, let's on. get into it. So this, this <laughs> is, can't avoid a, it. What's no. fascinating about this show for me isn't the mystery of the illness. It's the mystery of what the fuck happened to this show. <laughs> yeah. So this show dropped on DC Universe and the first episode aired and they cancelled it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is despite a pretty overwhelmingly positive critical reception and they couldn't possibly have had real viewer figures to go on. They just cancelled it. But what's weird about this is when they were quizzed on why it was cancelled, they said, and this is a quote, unfortunately, we are not in a position to answer at this time. Honestly. So the mystery of what happened to this show kind of runs on and on. The cast don't understand what happened to it. They were gutted. They thought it was great and yeah. people loved it and then it was killed. And no one really seems to understand. So there seems to be a few compete, competing sort of theories on this. Was it to do with funding? There was something about tax breaks that fell through. There yeah. was creative differences between DC and Warner Brothers. Yeah. Like, so something's gone on. Well, this is it. They cut the episode countdown as well. So I think it was yeah, supposed to be 13 to 10. To 10. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. already not filling you with the utmost confidence. And then they've axed it from the off. I mean, it's not a terrible show. No, I just not. don't think we're not going to get a don't cancel the OA strike on this. No one's going to be going on hunger strike. Swamp thing, there's... swamp thing. <laughs> no one's going to be holding up signs at the roadside. <sighs> Yeah. It was very gory. It's very tentacly. It's very tentacly. There is a jawbone ripped off the head of a man at one yeah. stage mm. in excruciatingly slow motion. Um, it's very grisly and gory. I think some of the writing is a bit pants. <laughs> There's a bit, um, uh, what's, uh, Crystal Reed. There's mm. a bit where Crystal Reed, she's in a house. So she is a sort of scientist, scientist, mm. disease she fighting. Her, like a, she's not, she's not CDC, is she? She's that sort of person. Yeah, you yeah. first see her in a in a in a foreign country in a kind of Ebola like yeah, crisis, yeah. like talking to some children. It's all a bit hot. Like, though. oh, she's just too too wholesome for her own bloody good. <laughs> and she's going through this house with a with a handsome police friend, Matt. I'm sure nothing's going to happen between them <laughs> at all in the series. I've only seen the first episode, by the way. So, I mean, maybe nothing will. Like, we don't know. But she's with a very handsome, not at this stage love interest, Matt. They're going through a creepy house, and there's a really creepy noise in a room behind a closed door, <laughs> and they they. They're looking for this man. We'll call him, I forget his name, Mr. Smith, maybe. And they're going through the house and they're going closer and closer to the horrible noise and closer and closer. And it's behind a door. And just at this stage, you either run away from the noise or you burst in on the noise and surprise attack them. You don't knock on the door and say, uh, Mr. Smith, like that's not that's not 
not how you tackle a horrible, horrible noise. We either attack or you run the fuck away. Um, and I just couldn't, it just was not very believable in its writing in some stages. And you, there were a few like, come on, ice to the heavens moments where I was just like, we're too advanced at this stage in story writing to get to these junctures and still be the, the tentative knocker on the door. Nothing good is behind that door. No. Run away. Definitely not. Run away, Crystal. Tentacles are behind that door. Um, also, it's a show called Swamp Thing, which right up until the very end doesn't feature a Swamp Thing, which was uh, which was curious for an origin tale. Like, Wait I was, a minute. I was quite thrown by that fact. No, in the opening scene, there's a Swamp Thing. A swamp well, thing. Yeah, but that's not actually Swamp Thing. That's that's a, that, Admittedly, that is a thing in a, a swamp. Thing in a I'll swamp grant you that. That has but lots it is of tentacles. Not the actual Swamp oh, Thing. Okay. So, so that yeah. was a well, it's the origin story, isn't it? Obviously. It is, yeah. It, it is so tentacular. It's the most tentacle. It's the most really CGI yeah. tentacles you've seen. It makes, um, makes Stranger Things' tentacular monster look like... Not, it's a tiny little thing in, in comparison. And I felt there was a Stranger Things influence going on. Oh, already, yeah. 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 With the little girl as the well, girl, in exactly. the hospital gown, yeah. crying about her dad. Yeah, and yet, and it just reminds you how good Stranger Things is, because <laughs> I think that lightness of touch yeah. that the scripts mm. have for that show, yeah. and in the characterization and in the storytelling and everything, I mean, that is just, not everything, I say this, you know, practically every week, I apologise for boring people, but not every show can be the greatest show ever. Not every show yeah. can Why be not? instantly. <laughs> and there are so many, this for me feels like, you know, a perfectly decent show and I enjoyed yeah. it as it was happening in front of my eyes and I and I kind of, you know, I thought, oh, it's got production values are pretty high. And I think it, just from the story in which the tax break cock-up in, <laughs> in wherever it was filmed was one of the reasons why it ended up being axed because of some accounting error, mm. apparently, yeah. by a whole state's film and TV arm. Um, you know, I was like, well, there, the money's there on screen because it looks great and they're really making the most of these, these tentacular um, <laughs> special effects, CGI effects. But I didn't give a shit about anything or anyone. Really? And uh, and the whole, you know, oh, she happens to be investigating um, diseases and then she goes back to her hometown and all of that was so she was, clunky. I hate to say she was the weak link, but she was yeah. a bit. She was she's a very main, generic, right. poorly drawn. Does character. pass the Bechdel test, though. Yes, it, do, it does. By, it by a sliver. <laughs> and, and for that, I applaud it. For everything else, <laughs> but nothing I'm else. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's perfectly sorry. decent, but I, yeah. but I could not for the life of me work out how this was going to play out week by week by week. How was it going to survive? How was it going to be 13 episodes, let alone the 10 it actually was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how was that? No. What was it going to do? Well, that, there was going to be the plan. I think had been to to sort of roll them into Justice League Dark and do sort of crossover right. stuff and bring it into its own universe. At one point, uh, clearly that didn't happen. I liked it. I, I leaned into its body horror elements. I don't like body horror generally, uh, but it leaned into that, and I think it did a pretty good job of of, of shifting the tone of of, of DC TV treatments. Um, but. Yeah, like by the time the end of it, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to watch any more of this. No. <laughs> exactly. Even yeah, if it hadn't no. been cancelled, I yeah. really wouldn't have picked up with it. So, no. no. Uh, but 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 like it's one of those things, like if you like DC show, shows, you say, on the one hand, yeah, sure, watch it. But on the other hand, don't, because it's been <laughs> fucking cancelled. So, yeah. you know. Is this the yeah. only example, I wonder, of a show that was cancelled after its first episode went out? That's pretty... That's it's pretty unusual, amazing. but then yeah. this doesn't yeah. seem to have been a quality issue, because like I said, it had great reviews. <laughs> not this one, but, but, yeah, but most so people really liked it. It's a so. weird, harsh thing to do, isn't it? It I is, mean, but that's... there's something amiss. Oh, yeah. Something yeah, rotten in the swamp, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, apparently an accounting error. Yes. Yeah. This did Come feature, on. however, Lieutenant Tuvok 
Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager um, was in no, this. Here we go. Bro, no? Bro, no, he was a doctor? Yeah, great. You weren't excited? Ooh. You no. didn't immediately think, ah, oh, Tuvok, <laughs> no. how have you been? No, it does no. feature Virginia Madsen more excitingly. It does. She's, she's, she's the good. only reason it passes yeah. the Bechdel test. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But she's good. Although, actually, I say she's good. Her character's weird because she's really harsh. She sits down as a royal goer. Um, yeah, but that's 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 the, which which they're trying to tease out, like, what happened with the yeah. friend? Oh, it's like, honestly, no one gives that. a shit. No, couldn't go less. She's dead. Yeah, she's dead. Nobody cares. Stop trying to give this character with no substance substance yeah. yep. right that is Swamp Thing and uh, this airs on Amazon on and drops on Friday October the 4th is it all in one go probably it makes sense so. for it to all mean, in one go there's no point there's no point dragging this out absolute exactly. point yeah right okay <laughs> Also, also out this week is season three of Amazon's Goliath, uh, which is Billy Bob Thornton as washed-out lawyer Billy McBride, who's uh, originally seeking redemption by taking on this wrongful death lawsuit against this huge firm he founded. That was in season one. This is year three, which mm. sees him taking on Bo Bridges and Dennis Quaid. They are this season's Goliaths. Although, I've got to be honest, I didn't have the <laughs> first clue what was going on in this. Like, genuinely, I was utterly lost. There's a bit where they're sitting around a table smoking drugs out of weird pipes and then they recline back on beanbags and the camera starts spinning around the table. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Boyd, please tell me you made more sense of this. Um, well, the, the bit, it is incredible how it goes from... So I I watched the very, very first episode of this mm. series. I watched, have to watch the first episode of yeah. pretty much every new um, scripted show that arrives yeah. on TV. Mm-hmm. That's my job. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, and I feel bad because I really enjoyed it at the time. It's very much my kind of thing. It's basically like, a you know, he's a, it's a crime, you know, it's got a very atmospheric thing going on. Billy Bob Thornton is great. It's created by David E. Kelly, yeah. who rarely puts a foot wrong. And I, and I thought the writing was good. Yeah. Beautifully filmed. Um, I really enjoyed it. And then I, for some reason, I never ever went back to it <laughs> until now. And I instantly was reminded of how much I enjoyed it because I think it's yeah. really, I think it's a really um, well done show. I think he's great, and I really like the whole milieu, the atmosphere. It's all quirky characters. It's quirky very characters. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, very Billy Bob yeah, Thornton. He's yeah. you know he lives you know kind of like in a travel tavern on the edge of um, Santa Monica, yeah. and there's lots of like looking wistfully into the sunset of Santa Monica. He uses the location very well. Mm. Um, great cast of kind of specialized. It seems to me of cost grizzled old dudes yeah from like lo- you know a lot of old white men a lot of grizzled old white guys yeah and you know I'm fine with that um, but the female characters are fantastic as well are. which is what you're right balances that is one of the saving grace you're right yeah um, but in this episode in this third season halfway through as you, which is what you're <laughs> alluding to halfway through is perfect this first which is, which is it was almost taking pride in its naturalism and in its kind of you know c- keeping it real yeah. it suddenly bursts into David Lynch on acid yeah it goes this, full it goes fucking lynched full lynch, fucking it? crazy full fucking when lynch. these guys these I should say the Goliaths these locals who are you know some who are the evil guys who are somehow doing something with the water I mean, we don't really know yeah. what which led to the death apparently the initial, putting hallucinogens in it yeah. but sure Kind of get high and start hallucinating and and yeah him hallucinating what's his name um dennis quaid thank you dennis quaid hallucinating singing watching himself singing and then multiplying it to hundreds of dennis like quaid a singing army of dennis yeah, quaid see, thank you You've, it is wild it is wild is absolutely <laughs> extraordinary and you're just i was wasn't expecting that and so i'm in i mean i'm at, it's got me and i'm really quite excited to watch more yeah 
I'm mad. so far out, I can't <laughs> even tell you. But mad. <laughs> so I, I did this all wrong. I watched the first episode and was like, nope, going to have to watch some more of this and went back to the start. And the first season is nothing like no. this. I feel like they've just literally gone, fuck it, let's do Lynch. And starting by getting Sherilyn Fennin, yes. who's in the opening scene, yes. who's obviously Audrey Horn, the greatest television character ever and uh, I will fight you um, <laughs> and they're just like yeah let's go fucking lynch like, come on and they do like cause the, the, at the beginning I was really sceptical at the start because like who honestly needs another I'm sorry I know that you love them but like do we need another male detective show really well, I mean we have Bosch there's nothing else required yeah. I have Killing Eve I'm fine yeah. but I was just like again but it, it is Billy Bob Thornton I know you say it's very Billy Bob Thornton it's because it is yeah. but actually I'm very here for it I got kind of like Anthony Bourdain vibes from him, mm. you know, with the tattoos, yes. mm, kind yes. of scrawny, yeah. but kind of very assured as to who he is and who he is. Isn't your conventional kind of guy, but he owns his flaws in a very mm. charismatic way, which I'm very here for. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more by the book in the first um, season. The second, they go kind of wacky with Mark Duplass, who um, gets a proper Game of Thrones send off, I will say. Mm. That's gross. It's gross how he dies. It's a horrible fate. But then with this one, yeah. All guns blazing. You've got these crazy drug-induced sequences. You've got the the best supporting characters. So you've got Patty back, who is uh, Nina Arianda, uh, who is a season regular. I think she's a stage actress primarily. I haven't seen her in much else, but she just gets to be fucking furious in the show. Ninety percent of the time she's on screen, she is livid. She is just flailing around. She's a real estate agent slash detective because no one can just be one thing in the show. Mm. Um, and yeah. she gets to be on and be really bouncy and colourful and amazing. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to watch the rest of this show, which is more than I will say for the other shows we've reviewed. I enjoyed the <laughs> surly Jobsworth person who worked at the water company slash real estate office <laughs> who refuses to help him on any level. That amused me. Yeah. But you understand, yeah, she was great. I've never watched an episode of Goliath. This is my first introduction to this show. Yeah. And I'm just, what the <laughs> fuck am I watching? But, but until, until the David Lynch stuff arrives, it's fairly straightforward, but, isn't it? But, You've got the but, hang of that. But, yeah, yeah, but it's like, the key, the David the Lynch key stuff part arrives. of this is <laughs> before the David Lynch stuff <laughs> arrives. It's like, yes, yeah. it lures you in with this feeling yeah. of yeah. normalcy and that the stuff is going to happen and then they bring out the peace pipes and there's hallucinogens and singing Dennis Quaid's and <laughs> something's in the water and then that again real sort of like the, the casino owner felt like a real David Lynch character yeah. Yeah, like yeah. making portentous comments about how he'd been there before yeah. and then doing a weird thing with a feather yeah. and I, I mean, that, was, that was weirdly so much it has to be deliberate doesn't it because the mm. Twimmicks of the Return a lot of that was in a casino where there yeah. were, were they, had they been there before and there were um, doppelganger characters and you weren't so it feels to me like this is literally almost they've decided we're going to have a tribute to David Lynch in the middle of the third season of this that, that otherwise realistic um, law drama. Do we think, is this the final season? It feels like they're just going out swinging. Well, I don't want to commit swinging. myself to that because I've got that wrong already yeah. on Glow, obviously. So <laughs> I don't know if it is the final season. I'm gonna, now I'm going to have a look. It maybe feels it like the, yeah, maybe. The, the atmosphere around it is it's the final season and they're going out swinging. They're just like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. They really are. That seems fair. Yeah, it just says it's renewed for a third season. It doesn't say it's the final. Okay, yeah. well, it's got that final season it energy yeah. where they're just like, let's just go mad let's yeah. just see what it is, happens it is bonkers yeah wow so Goliath third season <laughs> drops on Amazon on Friday October the 4th uh, make of that what you will now also out this week is Big Mouth. Now, I've never seen Big Mouth, but people rave about oh this. God, and I this drops on Netflix on the 4th as well. Yeah. Uh, why is it awesome? Tell us, Beth. Two words. Mayor Rudolph. 
Okay. Mm. When is first of all, when is she getting her own show? <laughs> when is she getting her own show? We've had Amy Poehler's, we've had Tina Fey's Where Is Mamea Rudolph show. She is extraordinary and she voices in this a hormone monster, a female hormone monster. Literally. Um, literally. Right. And um, oh, it's just I wish I had the show growing up. I wish we all had the show growing up. It's a bunch of uh, prepubescent children voiced by the likes of uh, John Mulaney, um, the rest of All Escape Me Now, John Mulaney, and um, Nick Kroll, who... Oh, Jenny Slate does one of the voices. Wonderful, wonderful Jenny Slate. And it's this bunch of, of kids going through puberty um, who are coached by these hormone monsters um, who are these big, gangly... Think, like, where the wild things are on steroids. Right. And we're halfway there. And um, they, they're kind of there to coach them terribly through puberty. But it's this really sex-positive, God, I wish I had these conversations when I was younger kind of things especially coming from Swindon and uh, it's just really out there and boldly written I think the fact is they've handled it really well in that it's an animation you would not get away with this stuff in real life uh, and it's hysterical it's very bold there's um, an episode about a girl getting her first period and they do a parody of R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts with Everybody Bleeds oh and it's um, a singing tampon <laughs> instead of <laughs> it sounds amazing <laughs> it's incredible and it's short sharp episodes it's real clever written it's got this oh my god Jordan Peele's in it um, <laughs> <laughs> just remember Jordan Peele is a ghost of Duke Ellington honestly just try the first episode okay, will you promise okay. me no promise I will I've been, it's just been episode. on my list of yeah. things to watch for ages just like my big mad fat diary is on there as well yeah. I was looking through this this recently this was in my head uh, shows I wanted to watch and haven't yeah uh, I will I will watch that uh, up till relatively recently Bojack Horseman had been on that it has been crossed out many times <laughs> Oh, no. Yes. All right. That's a whole other thing. Okay. Um, we need a pick of the week. I am sensing you two are going to lean towards Catherine. I'm definitely choosing Catherine. Yeah. But I don't know. If... I'm going Goliath, you yeah, know. Are you? Yeah. I'm going wow. mad as shit Goliath. Shit. Come on. I'm going <laughs> reruns of Battlestar Galactica, but there you go. Uh, yeah, okay, good. That's not in the rules. You're not allowed to choose your own well, come thing, on now. Your own little I'm just thing. saying. What would Terry say? Put yeah. recommend... your shit together, James Dyer, <laughs> and pick a show. What would Terry say? Yeah, uh, she certainly wouldn't hold with that Battlestar Galactica shit, but no. uh, I, yes, I, I I, can't in... in oh, yeah, God. I won't. Yeah. What a terrible week. Sorry. It wasn't a good week for me. I didn't enjoy myself. <sighs> I don't know what to tell you. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, but normal people, you'll enjoy Catherine. Yeah. Right? You'd watch it. Yeah, all right. I'm breaking okay. from the masses. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, finally, up for the best part of the podcast, we can all agree. Isn't that right, boys? <laughs> if you say so. It is the best part of the podcast. I hold by this. I'm not even I'm being ironic. Uh, the Banshee segment named after the Jonathan Tropper show, Banshee. I'd say this occasionally just to give it context. Oh, you, you need to because it's... Each time, because it otherwise it makes no sense. Yeah. Okay, so the idea of this segment is we pull out a show from ages past that people may or may not caveat have heard of or but probably haven't usually seen usually have in your case yeah, in, usually have in my case because I like you know Banshee Enders or something uh, and uh, and we recommend it and we, we you know we pull something out so so what Beth go on you're oh. the guest here Who? Ooh, what is your Banshee what do you have alright so now this was so it was recently the 20th anniversary of when space first came it was yes wonderful wonderful space which got me thinking about early Edgar Wright mm -hmm. that lovely hairy man <laughs> who's still got the same amount of hair that he did then. And I got thinking about a really, really great show that aired in 2002, so not eons ago, but long enough, called Look Around You, which was oh, yeah. 
Yeah. The best way to probably describe it, at least for the first series, was a web series before web series really took mm. off. And it was um, directed by Tim Kirby, who's gone on to direct some great television. He's directed Veep, a great show called uh, Man Seeking Woman with Jay Baruchel, if you've ever, yeah. and Eric Andre, batshit and wonderful. And he directed some of Fleabag as well. Um, so he directed this. It's co-written by Peter Serovanovich and Robert Popper. And it's basically a parody of those old like creepy educational videos you would have watched <laughs> in science ones that were made like a good few decades before the, you were born they were all 70s set as i yeah, recall yeah they were all naff and just super creepy and yeah. weird and you were just like it gave you chills to sort of watch them stir in the beaker <laughs> and everyone had weird body hair on their hands and it was just really so they parody this but they spin it into this it's almost kind of like hp lovecraft it's like a very different reworking of science and they do it on each each so it's 10 minute uh, short films to begin with and then they do a, a whole different direction for the second series but they deal with things like calcium maths and ghosts uh, some subjects for the right. for the 10 and they just do these slightly mad experiments that make absolutely no sense um and it's just absolutely Bonkers. And then for the second series, they go proper tomorrow's world. They get uh, Oscar winner Olivia Coleman in. Uh, <laughs> this is in 2005. But um, yeah, it's just, and Edgar Wright's in it as well, and Peter Serovanovich. They just sort of pop up every now and then in these sort of weird random roles. But it's it's just my strand of weird. Like, like I say, indie weird comedies are very much my jam. And this is very much it. And a great precursor for if you've not really seen any of uh, Edgar Wright's stuff. Very good. And um, where can where can we find this? Do you know? I imagine I play it because it was on BBC Two. Ah, okay, good. So good, I imagine good. there, or it's archived somewhere. Um, but it's great cult comedy watching. All right, good stuff. Boyd? Uh, I'm do- a fully in- look around you do? was fantastic. Yeah, okay. and of course I've never uh, seen it. Robert Popper, who writes Friday Night Dinner, among yeah. others. And um, I mean, we're on the right side of the table here because we love Stafford's Flats. Exactly. I think we you... are on the right side. Thank you. The phenomenal second series. Yes. Yeah, the one that you made me watch oh in God. in error. <sighs> I had to watch the first episode of the series too. Yes. Yeah. Series two. I did not get it at all. Oh. I adored yes, that brilliant. show. But fantastic. I adored just, it. I just I I don't know. It, it, I I know there's a whole thread here of why I don't understand comedy, but. <laughs> It just felt so like the humour was so like one notch above no, obvious. It was no, just like, oh, no, wrong. Absolutely wrong. wrong. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it's not my banshee, obviously. No. So I this all, I interviewed uh, Mark Gatiss this morning and the Ooh. fruits of this Your labor, close personal friend, Mark Close Gators. personal friend, and, and the fruits of this will be in the next issue of Pirates of Magazine for Dracula. So he's, he and um, uh, Stephen Moffat, as everyone knows, have um, created their new version of Dracula. Yes, indeed. And um, he was talking, we were talking about all the previous versions and he, and he reminded me of a version which I absolutely loved, which I think a lot of people I know about, which is in 1977, BBC Two did a version of Dracula called Count Dracula, and it starred Louis Jourdain, who is French, in the title role, who was this great kind of like smooth yet creepy, scary guy. And he was talking about how they've cast um, this guy who's also foreign and slightly alien. And he said, like, that, you know, that was a lot, they were influenced by this version of the story partly okay. in their casting of their Dracula, um, Clash, Clash Bang. Oh, oh I love, love him. Clash Bang. I love yeah. him so much. Currently, another thing, <laughs> I, which I not didn't mention in, in the opening, what you're watching, the current series of The Fair, he is phenomenal in it. Absolutely I love him in brilliant. the square. He's the great square in the square. Is I mean, that's where brilliant. they first saw him, uh, him and Moffat first saw him. So um, but this version, he was saying how this version, the ca- Count Dracula, this this version it was originally shown in one go as a like two hour forty five minute thing unbelievable obviously too then they turned it into a three part drama and mm. they showed it they kind of repeated it in that form um, 
don't ask me where you can get it. I'm assuming it must be on YouTube, but I don't know. I haven't checked. Sorry. But this had a massive... I remember I loved it so much. And I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of it for years until he yeah. mentioned it. So I felt this is so exciting. Frank Finlay was in it as Van Helsing, Susan Manhalligan as Lucy, Jack Shepard as Renfield. It was, it was classic quality BBC drama and one of the most... Um, faithful to the original novel there's ever been and he Mark has done a whole documentary about the whole Dracula phenomenon which will go out I guess before um, their version of Dracula arrives on the BBC and he says it's the, probably the most accurate the most faithful rather to the novel there's been and I watched started watching and there are bits of it on YouTube and it, and it's really interesting and, and I loved it so that's my banshee Crown Dracula that's good that's good I was 10 when I watched it. Okay. I feel okay. if Terry had been here, you might be onto a winner. But she's not, so ha! Wait a minute, are you deciding what wins now? No, I'm not deciding what wins. I've right. got to do mine yeah. yet. How is that going to work? You're going to pick yourself I'm anyway. casting my net back quite far this time. <laughs> I want to talk about Gabriel's Fire. <laughs> of course you do. Anyone? Anyone at all? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, see, I, I thought I might slip this one past you. Okay, no. so this ran for one season. It's 22 episodes. This was 1990 to 1991, and it starred James Earl Jones Ooh. as Gabriel Bird. Uh, he, <laughs> so he was an ex-cop who had been sentenced to life imprisonment for killing another cop while stopping that cop from murdering a pair of civilians uh, in this sort of racially motivated bit of police corruption. Um, so he gets out. And he becomes a private detective and he ends up working for the lawyer who had freed him, which is where the series picks up. Uh, so it was ran on ABC in the US. Uh, and James L. Jones, who is... James L. Jones is amazing in everything, yeah. but he was... It's Mufasa. It's fucking Darth Vader. Anyway, <laughs> he's so good in this. Uh, you know, he brings that brilliant, rich, baritone voice to the role. And there's one bit where there's a... There's a this, it's the one that sticks out most in my mind, that one, there's a perp who's checked into, uh, who's checked into a motel under the name um, Samuel Coleridge. And he comes in and he kicks in the door and he goes, In Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree. And then he goes, That is Samuel Coleridge. <laughs> And I was God. like, you are fucking awesome. <laughs> but, 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 so this, this show was actually inspired by the death of uh, the Black Panther Party's uh, leader, Fred Hampton, in, uh, in 1969. And because the murder is tied up in sort of uh, this police conspiracy to take down military civil, uh, militant black civil rights groups, yeah. um, which I believe unfolded as the show went on. But, but, so the weird thing about this show is it got cancelled after one season, not before bagging three Emmys, I might add, including Best uh, Actor in a Drama for James L. Jones. Mm-hmm. But... Even though it was cancelled, ABC revamped it the following year. What? And re-released it the following year, having rethought it and retitled it Pros and Cons. No, no. <laughs> and they made it this sort of light-hearted... So it had been really gritty and seedy, like it was really full-on. Yeah. And they reinvented it as this light-hearted sort of knockabout thing. And uh, so they called it Pros and Cons, as in professionals and... Anyway, so Pros and Cons. <laughs> uh, and And... So James L. Jones comes back to the same role. He still plays Gabriel Bird, but he's been relocated from Chicago to L.A. They team him up with another private eye, what? like a buddy played by uh, Richard Krenner. They give him a love interest who runs a cafe played by Madge Sinclair. I'm not making this up. And it had no punch and none of the heart of the original, and it was dreadful. And this one was cancelled after only 12 episodes. Jesus. But it's like... I. 
I mainly did this because I, I had this in my head and I thought, I, that's got to be a dream. It can't actually be true <laughs> that this is something that happened. And yet, here we are. Oh it's God. something that happened. Uh, you, I mean, clearly, neither of these are available on DVD no. or to stream fucking anywhere. Jesus. But you can find the pilot of Gabriel's Fire on YouTube and you might be able to find a few more if you dig around. So if you have uh, exhausted Bonjour class, uh, you, you know can what, dig out Gabriel's Fire. As soon as you mentioned it, I was going to remember that they, they brought it. That's the thing. Yeah, they brought it back and, and pros re- and cons, yeah. re- revamped it as a kind of funny light. Yeah. <laughs> but it, what, I tell you, what the big explanation is, the production company was Lorimar. I don't mm. know if you remember, Lorimar in the 70s, they created Knots Landing and Falcon Crest, among <laughs> others, which were like the sub-sub versions of Dallas yeah. Dynasty. And they were almost like a, the byword for kind of cheesy crap but popular um, rip-off TV. So it was like, what they, what that's, so that, I think that's the explanation of how they bizarrely decided to revamp it and turn yeah. it into a much worse show that only lasted half a season anyway. Wow. Goodness. So yeah, Gabriel's good, fire. That's good, that's Goodness I sense if I'm to channel my inner Terry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's definitely well, not going to be me, obviously. No, but if one of you. you two might yeah. have won that, I think she'd have probably given it to Beth. Yeah. Because Beth isn't one of us. Actually, I wonder what you're yeah. going to say there. Yeah. Loving you transforming you and Terry then, like Gollum. Yeah, just she, like... she, she finds some way to screw us yeah. both over, and this would be the way to do yeah, it. I'm sure. Uh, also, yeah. mine was the best answer. Yeah, perhaps that too. You're yeah. coming with these perhaps politics, always so neither of us. I give the best it's, goddamn answer of the three of you. <laughs> <laughs> all about the yeah, goddamn politics. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well done. Well done. And. On that note, I believe that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV podcast. Uh, big thanks to Beth for joining us at the Coalface. You can listen to Beth on the Bechdel Test Fest podcast. Yes. When does that drop? Uh, next one is incoming at some stage, but we've got three episodes currently on our website. Um, the last one with the Souvenirs director, Joanna Hogg, who was a delight. The glorious oh. Joanna Hogg. Yes. Brilliant. Love her that fiercely. Film. Yeah, great film. So download and listen to that. You can follow Beth on Twitter at Beth K Webb. And you can, of course, follow Boyd and myself at Boyd Hilton at James C. Dyer. As ever, we remain at the mercy of your five-star rating. So please head over to iTunes and dole some of those out like Penny Sweets. Uh, We'll be back next week with a whole load of new stuff, including, we hope, assuming they show them to us, uh, (laughs) The Walking Dead, Mr. Robot and The Terror. Are you kidding me? No, there's a whole load of shit (laughs) and it all drops next Monday. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be busy week there's loads of other stuff as well so i don't know how we're gonna get through this but we'll figure it out mm. um so yeah be sure to come back for all of that until then though pilot out mm.